You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Matt from Down Under, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's an honor to have you on the program today. Yeah, honored to be with you too, Brian. I was just fascinated with the story you shared with me when we first connected, and we'll definitely dive into that today. Before we do that, though, could you please share a little bit about yourself, Matt, and then bring us into that story about a very difficult business deal you're involved in that brought you to the brink of suicide and what happened after that? Yeah, so happily married, beautiful wife, Joanna, and have three kids all under the age of 12. And a bit of my story, I grew up in Christian home and was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at a very young age. I think I was around five or six years old and grew up in, a, in Northern Australia, which is tropical. So much similar to Southern America, mm. very tropical. And everything's down under here. So it's always upside down, back flipping. <laughs> so, you know, imagine that. So, so I grew up with my, my parents are banana farmers. And it's a, it's a very hard, hard job or hard, hard labor. So I wasn't afraid of getting your hands dirty and just getting into things. Mm-hmm. So that's been a little bit of my upbringing and always loved the church, went to church every Sunday. We lived in one of the most wonderful, magical places on earth, I reckon. It's kind of like a bit like the Bahamas and looking out, beautiful, you know, island paradise and one deep sea fishing. And happened to be every Sunday, the weather was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And we lived right on the beach. And Monday through Saturday, the the waves were massive. You couldn't go out fishing, but Sunday, every Sunday, was just the best fishing day. (laughs) So, and we went to church. That was just a bit of an upbringing. Well, we we did, we did have a lot of fun. We went fishing a lot too. Before finishing high school, I moved down and did my final couple of years on the Gold Coast, which is about 2,000 kilometers away. I'm not sure what that is in miles. I think that's 1,500 miles away from home. So I went to boarding school in a big city for my last two years of high school. And in that place, really solidified my relationship with God. I had to really appreciate my connection with him. And ever since a young boy wanted to step into landscape architecture, landscape design, love plants, and obviously being on the farm helped foster that and went off to university and studied landscape architecture. And then also at the same time, being very active in the local church and did everything in serving and ministry from scrubbing toilets right up to preaching on the platform and nothing was beneath me and and the local church, but also had an appreciation or business as well. And when I was in early 20s and then had this opportunity to step into Christian radio in selling airtime on a national Christian radio station here in Australia, Mm. things just really just started to come alive with business. And I was chatting to business people all the time and I was good at it. God's favor was on me and everything was going well, newly married and I was hitting sales goals. And then my dad, who at this time had sold the farm in Northern Australia and moved down to be close to where I was, I said, I'm sick of retirement. I want to get back into business as any good entrepreneur does. <laughs> yeah. So he said, well, why don't we do property development 
you're skilled in that because that's what you learned at university with your side of things. So well, why don't why don't we do business together? So mm-hmm. my parents and I and my wife we joined forces and set off on an adventure to do some property development and mainly land subdivisions. So we would buy these green parcels of land in sort of regional areas and then put the roads and services in and sell each of the lots off to aspiring buyers. And so that was going quite well. And over the course of about three or four years, we'd had developed over about $5 million in Australian money of property. So I guess it was that a little bit of hubris. We can I, I can I can do all things in my strength, not in God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like, oh well, we, we're successful. We can take on anything, and we were quite successful in our own right, in the sense that even banks were giving us projects to consider rather than us trying to find them. They were actually handing them to us and saying, "You're great operators. We love you guys. You're great." borrowers will do this project together. So it was like, wow, everything's going well. At the same time, still involved in the local church and being in the board and and looking after the church finances and all those sort of things. So God was really blessing us. And it was around the time when our firstborn, he he was just a newborn and I was just focused in the the season of being first time dad Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just understanding those sleepless nights and all those (laughs) elements, how that happens. And there was a project that that during that time that was presented to us by a bank. And we just naturally thought that, well, if the bank gave it to us, they're willing to fund it. Great. We sort of put caution to the wind and not focus on our due diligence and which, yes, never do that. (laughs) Always do the numbers. With your previous work, did you spend time in with your due diligence seeking the Lord in prayer over those deals? Yes, we would always do our numbers quite well. We would use our consultants, consult God. So it was this was different. It was that uh, just a change of season, mm. and I guess uh, even pride was in the way. You thought, oh well, we've been so successful before. Then here in Australia, we have a saying: "She'll be right, mate." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> She will be okay. It's like, oh, who cares? Just let's just, you know, push on. It'll be okay. And without doing that proper due diligence. And we went to the auction to buy this project unprepared. My father, he's, I love him dearly. He's just a fearless borrower. So he's <laughs> like, he's, it comes to auction and he's like a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, oh, this is fun, where I'm more the cautious one and doing the numbers. And I had done the numbers on it initially, but we didn't do the in, like the more detailed, like involving others and third parties to con- confirm these numbers that we we're looking at with this investment. So we went in and, and dad was bidding toe to toe with another bidder. And I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. We can't afford this. Uh, we don't even have that money. We don't even have a bank that says, yeah, here's the money, go and buy it. But we're just going on a whim and a prayer. This, this is scary. And dad's like, oh, it'll be right. We'll make it happen. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it was sold. And I was just shocked because mm. I, in our chats with the bank before we got to the auction, they were saying, oh, it's likely it will be turned in, which means there'll be no bidders and we'll consult afterwards and you can go have conditions to get your finance in a contract rather than having the pressure mm-hmm. to come up with the money on the auction day. So this was in the back of my mind. Well, the bank said we could do this, who was actually the one selling the project. Um, that wasn't the case. So. I was pretty well gripped with fear. I'd never really came to understand what fear 
really was. I'd have waves of it every now and then being a kid and growing up and it would shake off and I'd just spend some time in worship or read my Bible and it would go away. But this, this dread and fear of uncertainty and all the things that could happen just didn't leave me from that moment on. I was just gripped with it. I couldn't sleep much at night. Fear can be a great motivator, but it's a terrible terrible partner to have in your business. I'd read the Bible, I'd worship, and nothing would shake this fear. Despite that, we had this project and we had to make it work. So we managed to scrape together enough money. We got a few other business partners involved and we found a bank that was willing to fund us initially to, for the purchase. And then we had to then build it because it's just a big green parcel of land, big acreage block no roads, no nothing. We had to build all that and cut it all up and sell it. Mm-hmm. And it was about 50 lots. So I've got 50 problems to solve. And roughly it, it size is about a uh, um, $13 million uh, project and funding in that was about $10 million. Mm-hmm. And I was used to probably about 3 or $4 million with lending. So this was like three times, four times the amount of debt that I was accustomed to. So mm-hmm. I had to grow. Fast forward through this process and, and trying to get the construction loan in order to build the roads and do all that work so we can actually complete a project. Now, if you're familiar with property development, it sounds glamorous, but it's far from it. You you buy a project and you're very poor until it finishes. Everyone else gets their cut. You're the last person uh, to be paid. So you kind of live a little bit on the smell of an oily rag until you <laughs> get to that end. And initially, before we started, we estimated it would take three years to do this project. By the time we finished it, it was seven years, Whoa. which was something we didn't anticipate and our funding didn't allow for it. But anyway, we're lumped with this. It's boom or bust. At, at that period of time, it was a couple of years after the GFC and Australia wasn't really affected too much by the GFC as what America was. But however, we had the flow on effect of how that flowed into the European debt crisis. That was in 2012, 2013-ish. It, it kind of took a while to catch up. And then our banks in Australia just said no to any property developer. They just just closed up shop. Mm. So we just when this, we didn't know this was happening in the background. So we, you know, just went down so many dry gullies to try and find a suitable bank that would fund us and just wouldn't happen. They mm-hmm. just, you know, say, yeah, yeah, we could do it. No, we don't want to do it. No, no, no. And it was just getting exhausting. So this was about two years since we bought it. And you can imagine two years of no, 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 no. Yeah. It was starting to weigh pretty heavy on me and nothing I did worked. It just feeling like a failure. I remember getting to the point and we picked up the kids uh, from school and we were heading home late and Joanna was in the front seat with me and our two kids at the time were in the back and I was just at the end. I, I just couldn't go on. I was just so down and defeated and I'd even had thoughts that week of, oh, well, I've got a life insurance policy. If I Maybe if I could kind of fake, not like die, but in a not commit fraud in the process <laughs> type of thing of like, okay, how can I make this look legit? So these are the thoughts I was running in my head of, of ending my life mm. because I knew my insurance, life insurance policy would help pay for my wife and kids. And th- these were the thoughts I had. And, and 
I, I just broke and said to my wife, I, I can't keep doing this. I, I've had thoughts of suicide. This project is killing me. I want to end it. And wow. her graciousness and just grabbed my hand and just said, it's going to be okay. And it's just money. It's only money. Even if you lose it all, it's going to be okay. But you're more important and we need you more than the money. Mm. So I was at kind of depressed that it just bounced off me. I was just just a concrete blob sure. <laughs> of depression. Yeah. And it just like, oh, that's that sounds great, but meant nothing. Went home. My wife said, Hey, I'll fix dinner. Just you just relax. I couldn't relax. I I laid on the couch and and I just in me I just felt so defeated that I, I didn't even feel like worthy to even lay down on the couch. I rolled off the couch and laid on the floor, just this absolute defeat. Mm. And and I hear this like voice screamed at me, said, get up. And I'm like, oh, what? And said it again, get up. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of reluctantly just got off the floor, like a bit like a Frankenstein. Emerging, <laughs> you know, like, what? <laughs> I don't want to do this. And I moved myself to where the TV was, which is a, another room and just sat there. I said, well, I'll get some encouragement. I put on a pre-recorded uh, session from TiVo. If you remember TiVo back yeah. in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was just a TV evangelist that was what every now and then just watched through. So I picked it up, I pressed play, fast forward through the ads, and pressed play back when he was about to start. And here he is right in front of the camera and he said, get back up on your faith. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he said it again, get back up on your faith. Wow. Uh, I pressed stop, turned the TV off, and it went, get stuffed. I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this. Uh, and that was a Friday, and Saturday was a blur of the weekend. I knew Sunday was coming. And before going to church on Sunday, I just cried out to God. I said, God, I need to know you're with me. I need to know we're going to get through this. I need your word to, to speak. I would love to get to church and then someone just singled me out and went, Matthew, blah, 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 blah. You yeah. got to get through this. God says, you know, da, da, da. Right. I would love for that. You know, so I was crying out for something like that. And we arrived late and I hate being late. But anyway, with young kids, it's just mm -hmm. what happens, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> so get to, get to church and and we we got to the point where they're doing a transition between the worship set and preaching. And the lady who was doing transition was one of the pastors. And as we walked in, she read straight out of Psalm 37. And it says in Psalm 37 verse 4, to delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Mm-hmm. That last phrase, and he shall bring it to pass, just boomed. It just set off, just exploded. And I, wow, that's for me. That's for me. And I was a bit of a puddle of tears, <laughs> just knowing that God, God had spoken. And the circumstances didn't change, but I had changed. And that depression, it, it didn't fully lift. It was hanging around. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but I said, well, okay. God, you said you're going to bring it to pass. You're going to bring this project to a completion. 
What does that look like? And then within a couple of days after that, like, okay, what are we going to do? And I get a phone call from my mum and she's looking after the books and she's distraught saying, we don't have any more money. We've run out of money. We've robbed Peter to pay Paul. We've moved money around and shuffled it so much. And I've never been in this situation before. We've always had enough money to pay our bills. But this time we, we were short $4,000. And I'm like, okay, we're going to find $4,000. Yeah. <laughs> and I could have partnered with fear and you know gone down that spiral. But I said, okay, well, I'm going to uh, lock myself in one of the kids' rooms and I just laid on the floor and just cried out to God to God, where are we going to find this money? Where is it? Where is this money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was within five minutes of just being in God's presence that I hear his voice and said, check the tax. And I'm like, what? Uh, God, <laughs> I need I need real answers here. Check the tax. I'm like, what? So, okay, well, maybe God, this is you. So I ran upstairs and opened up my laptop and had a look at this tax. Now, this tax was, it's kind of like a, you paid this tax before you started construction. So it's it's a pre-tax. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they wouldn't, they don't give you your permits until you pay this tax. And it's based on the value of your construction costs that you've estimated. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I opened this, this, this tax file up and I was looking through it and my calculations and we had worked pretty hard. We paid this tax about a year ago and I'd worked pretty hard in that year to reduce our costs and find different ways to save money in the project. I did read the recalculations based on our new numbers. And based on that, we had overpaid this tax by roughly $4,000. Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So so I went, wow, can I get a refund? So I, I found the number on the tax form and called the department. They answered the phone. So that's that's a miracle. Without a hold, the elevator music going in the background. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I told them what my recalculations and I said, can I get a refund? They said, oh, yeah, you can. Just resubmit the form with the revised numbers and we'll refund the difference. <laughs> I'm like, wow, how soon you know, can I get that? Is that a month from now? Because yeah, that's tax, right. tax departments. They said, oh, we'll, no, 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 we'll deposit it in your account today. What? <laughs> Miracle number two. <laughs> Seriously. Man. <laughs> so recalculated it, got the refund and it was turned out to be a little bit over than 4000 It was $4,400. Wow. And you got that within 48 hours? Yeah. Within 48 hours, it was in our bank account. Incredible. Man, that's amazing. Just in time. And, and the story didn't end there. That was like, wow, that was like a, a wake up to say, mm-hmm. God, okay. You can kind of get yourself stuck in a guilt trip because we didn't do the right due diligence. This is the wrong project. Well, God's not with us. And it's like, well, no, he's with us. Full stop. Yeah. No, no, no conditions attached. He's just with you. And I said, well, God, if you found this money, surely you can help us raise the, the funding over, I think at that time it was about $8 billion we needed to find with construction funding. If you can work for $4,000, surely you can work for $8 million. Right. <laughs> How am I going to do this? Not long after that, I was introduced to American pastor called, well, probably know him, is uh, Gary and Drenda Cassie from Faith Life Now. Ministries in Ohio, our real estate agent gave the CDs and said, "Oh, this I think this is 
what you need to hear. And he didn't know the struggle we were going through. And I just started listening and everything just made sense. And Gary was just unpacking how the kingdom operated and, and how that worked. I'm like, I can do this. Mm. We, I've got some solutions here. And in one of his books, Gary goes through what's called the faith pictures. And these are just really prophetic images that you know, you're hearing from God and he's showing you the process. And it's based out of Mark 4, 26 to 29, about the parable of the growing seed. And it says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts the sickle because the harvest has come. And I'm like, okay, that's a great parable. What does that mean? The seed of faith is planted. Because a lot of times we're asking God for the, for the fulfillment of the, of the promise. Mm-hmm. And he gives us a seed. So true. Yeah. <laughs> I love what Bill Johnson said. He said, oh, so sometimes you're believing for an acorn tree, but God will give you the acorn seed. <laughs> This is straight out of this. It's the faith picture. It's like the whole, the faith process. The the seed is planted and then the blade comes up, then the head. And then when it's fully ripe, then you get the harvest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like saying this and I'm like, I I, I, I can feel it in my heart. My head's just not, is a bit slow. I'm a bit dumb like a rock sometimes (laughs) in my head, but you know, we'll get there. I, I said, okay, well, God, these faith pictures okay, I need to partner with you and how do you see my faith and how how is this going to happen with this project? So again, I went to one of the kids' rooms, locked myself there and started praying and said, God, show me what this project looks like. Where are we up to? Mm -hmm. And instantly I got a picture in my mind of just a bare paddock of just green grass, not Mm -hmm. a tree on it, nothing. And then the picture changed in my mind and I saw construction machineries, in particular, orange excavators. Mm-hmm. And that really just, boom, just really highlighted to me the color orange in that picture. And me, I'm thinking, well, if you've got construction machinery on site, that means you've got funding. Okay, cool. I can, great. We've got funding. We can actually, you know, get construction happening. So I'm excited about the faith, but no funding. Uh-huh. Not even close. I'm like, but God, you showed me this picture. Surely this is faith. This is, I'm, I'm partnering with you. And anyway, we did normal business practices. We, you know, went down all these, you know, different um, places to try and get this funding happening. And then we were led to a construction company to do the project. They submitted their quote. We're thinking, yeah, these guys are really good. We can do business with them. And we said, well, let's meet with them and see if they would be willing to start the construction off and get started with the construction without us having the money. And we do like a a bit of a a joint venture arrangement to get going. So we went with them, we chatted with them and they liked us. They said, oh, we just don't have the available capital to afford to do that. We'd love to, but we can't. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And, And I noticed in their office, they had pictures of their machinery up, all the colors of the machinery were blue. They were all blue colored excavators. And I'm like, and that because they said no. And I went, oh, they're blue colored excavators. Maybe these aren't the ones to actually use anyway. It wasn't something God wanted us to do. So for this stage, I told my journey with the other business partners and they were Christians too. And they're like, okay, we, we understand. Cool. Well, you know, we, we trust your faith. Well, let's, let's keep pursuing down this path. Maybe we can find a good 
contracted to deal with. So things started to work and we started moving and, and I, I prayed again and, and it was about maybe a month or two later and I'm like, God, I keep seeing the picture of grow my faith. What's the faith picture? Mm-hmm. And the picture changed. I saw the road completed. All the lots were empty and all pegged out. I'm like, oh, that means surely that means we've got the funding because that's kind of the end of our project. We don't get into building the houses. We just do the land and the road. That's it. We're done. Nothing changed. (laughs) I'm like, this is strange. Okay, God. And knowing how faith grows, first the blade, then the head. I'm like, this is my faith is growing as I'm partnering with God. And I'm like, okay. And then we had another opportunity. We were introduced another contractor who was, these guys are Christians and we met with them and and said, hey, would you be willing to start the project off and did the same thing we did the other guys. These guys were like, oh, yeah, we, we would love to do this. You guys are great. Let's let's see what we can do. And went away from that meeting thinking, great, God's with us. We, we can do this. And woke up the next morning and I felt uneasy about it. So I called him up and said, hey, I know we'd give you a bit more time, but I just wanted to call you after our meeting how are you feeling? He says, oh, yeah, I didn't sleep well last night. I really like you guys. I just don't know. I'm trying to work out how to make this work. Mm-hmm. And I asked him the question, what color is your machinery? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that's a really weird question. <laughs> I've never been asked that. And I, he says, uh, I haven't really thought about it. He says, uh, they're mostly white. It's okay. We're not meant to do business with, uh, with each other. And he's like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Just over a color? I'm like, yeah. And I explained to him what God was leading through. And he goes, well, I admire that faith. That is, that is amazing. And he felt a weight lift off him. He couldn't be involved. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Well, God, I trust you. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Praying again. Not long after that, we had some more sales. We had some more momentum behind us. And we were chatting with a, uh, a bank that seemed to be okay to deal with. And anyway, it was early stages. The picture changed again. This time, all the lots were sold. Everything was sold. The road was done. No houses. I'm like, surely this is it. Surely, surely. Mm-hmm. And there were, didn't seem to be any changes, but we were getting some momentum. And then about a few weeks later, I, I prayed again, and, uh, and this time the, the bank were getting quite serious, and the picture changed again in my mind. God showed me the, the complete development, fully done, Roads, houses, people there everywhere. There were kids riding in the street, like a movie film of like looking at this perfect community. Mm-hmm. I'm like, surely that's completion because <laughs> you can't get any more than that. And that day we received our funding. Wow. The very time I prayed and I saw that picture, it was that day the bank called and said, congratulations, you've got your funding. I'm like, oh, wow. I mm. just wanted wanted to go on a two-year holiday after that. But, <laughs> yeah. And and then we, oh, okay, excited that we're going to get started. We then went and approached, at this stage, another, our engineer had been, do, had a good relationship with this other civil construction company. They did some great work for them um, the previous months. And they said, oh, let's meet with them and, and see if they were fit for us. Sat with them. They went through our numbers. They're like, yeah, we can do this and gave us even a better deal. And then uh, it seemed like these guys would be the ones. and the business partners were there and they looked at me and they said, you're going to ask him your question? And the construction guy looked at me and go, what question is this? I said, <laughs> and this guy's not a Christian. And I'm like, it's okay. I've had series of dreams. I believe I hear from God. And he showed me the color of the machinery. So before we do the deal, what color is your machinery? <laughs> he goes, oh, orange. 
I only have orange. <laughs> All of them are orange. <laughs> so this non-believer is hearing you tell the story that you get this vision from God. How is he responding to you as you're sharing this? He is laughing his head off. He thinks this is the funniest thing he's heard, seen. And I shake his hand and you know, to shake for the deal. And he goes, laughing. You go, I have never shook a hand on the color of machinery. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We nicknamed that project, the project from hell, but it's just something we just nicknamed it. But uh, I'm so grateful for it mm. because it really learned how God was just with us. And mm -hmm. even despite our mess, despite mistakes, he's with you no, no matter what. You know, I'd like to ask you some questions about that progressive vision, the progressive picture mm. God was revealing to you. As you would seek him, you would basically sequester yourself in a room, just be still, and you would ask the Lord to show you what he was doing, correct? Yeah, that's right. And then he would just embellish each time on that picture he was giving you. And over how long a period from the time you started praying and asking for these pictures until you got the loan from the bank, how long were you doing that? It was about a year. A year. What was God yeah. growing in you during that time, Matt? The biggest thing he was growing in me was trust. Um, trusting in him and not my own abilities. What shifted in your mind and your heart as you decided to start trusting in him? Or as he was forcing that whole issue of trust in your life. Was there a sense of you becoming more relaxed about everything? What was transitioning there? You know, meditating on God and just allowing peace to reign. Yeah, you know, it wasn't precluding of not getting anything done. It was mm -hmm. at the at the same time going, okay, God, what do you think? What do you see? And a lot of times I went through that year process because it's not just four times I prayed and that's the only time you <laughs> right. spoke. Like other times I was there and like, God, and, and nothing, the pictures remained the same. It remained the same for, for weeks and weeks. And then suddenly in a moment I'd be you know praying. And it's not like every day I did this, but it would at least be twice a week. And it progressed from there. It just kept growing. So just like that seed, the blade, the head, it just kept growing and it changed as we went. The transformation that took place was that, wow, partnering with God is so much better than trying to do it all in my own strength. I'm the boss and Jesus, you can be my um, financial advisor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, Jesus, you're the boss. And and CEO, I'm just going to come under your lordship because I've tried it in my own strength and I could that nearly ended up in suicide. So I'm not doing that again. I need to trust you, God. And even if it doesn't look like you're moving, it doesn't look like the circumstances are changing. I've just got to trust that what you have said and that like that Psalm 37 scripture was my anchor. Mm -hmm. Like there was so many twists and turns that happened throughout the process. And I'm like, no, God said he's going to bring it to pass. I don't care. You can throw everything you like at me. That's what God said. So I'm going to anchor myself there. Now, you've written a book about this story, correct? Yeah. Part of the story is is mentioned in uh, a book and it's called How to Hear God at Work. It's the busy person's guide to hear God's voice and partner with him in everyday life. And shares a little bit of my journey that I've just shared now, but goes into the ways of hearing God's voice. And you don't need to have one hour, three hour prayer sessions just to hear his voice. You can, it can happen in a moment, in a flash, while you're driving to work, while you're commuting on the train or, you know, when I'm mowing the lawn at home, 
God just speaks to me in those times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> surprisingly, I'm like, wow, I get it just hanging out with Him. It's just being with Him and hearing His voice in that con- continual process. As you speak with other entrepreneurs, Matt, what have you found to be the greatest limitation to keeping people from hearing the voice of God? The greatest limitation is the lie that says, well, I don't hear God's voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of limited to my wife. My wife hears God or, yeah, that's the pastor's job. Mm. I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just the guy that, or the, or the, the lady that just gets on with it. You know, I, I get stuff done. So it's kind of like that Mary and Martha <laughs> yeah. um, story of the Bible. It's like, oh, we just, yeah, because they're so busy in the busyness of life and used to doing things in their own strength. God's voice is kind of drowned out. God's speaking to them. It's just tuning your, tuning your ear, tuning mm. your heart towards him. Yeah. What do you feel is the biggest lesson through all of this? And what direction does God have you pointed now after this? One of the biggest lessons learned through you know, this process was just how to rest, how to rest and trust. And you know, faith is spelt R-E-S-T. Yeah, wow. It's also spelt T-R-U-S-T. And business guys tend to focus more on the R-I-S-K, the risk element, (laughs) (laughs) rather than the rest and the trust element of faith. And I learned trust, but then I've also learned how to rest. You know, there's one thing like, yeah, I trust you, but I'm still got my hand on the wheel, God. I guess trusting him to drive and you're sitting in the back seat or the front seat and with the recliner, you know, the, the chair fully reclined and and having a nap. That's one of the big lessons I've learned is how to rest. Let's say somebody's listening to this and they're saying, oh gosh, that sounds great. I would love to rest, but I'll throw a prayer up and I'll feel the peace of God for a moment. And then moments later, I've got this stress coming on me. No doubt you yeah. went through that cycle. How do you deal with that in a very real way when you know God's wanting you to rest, but all this other stuff is pressing upon you? Great question. Something I do go into a little bit of detail in the book, but one prayer tool I've learned that not every thought that you have is your own, including every feeling that's projected onto you is your own either. And fear is never your friend and Mm. it's never your nature to be in fear. Yes, it is a real emotion and to acknowledge it at the same time going, okay, where is that fear coming from? And what is the truth that I need to receive in replace of those lies that I have partnered with? Mm. Because you can either partner with God's peace and his provision and his protection, or you can partner with the enemy's lies and, and fear. And you know, fear is simply faith in the wrong kingdom. That's all it is. And when you're placing your faith and trust in, in God's kingdom and saying, well, you know, God, you have spoken, you have, your word says this, you have spoken to me and those feelings will come back. Yes. It's guarding your heart by saying, you know what? I see that fear. I see those things trying to loom its head up again at me and I'm not going to agree with them anymore. I'm not going to partner with those things anymore Mm. because that's not me. That's not my identity. I am a blood-bought saint of the living God, and I have full access to the kingdom of God, and all that he has is mine, and all that I have is his. (laughs) So fear is never my portion, and I 
get to have Jesus to be my protector and my defender. It's not saying the you know removing the work out of doing things or the the element of well I've got to do something. Yeah. It's saying yes I see this fear. It's uncertainty, it's doubt, it's just fear, uncertainty, and doubt. They're all being thrown at you and saying, well, God, what is the truth? What do I need to receive instead of partnering with this fear that I've been so used to? Because fear is a great motivator. A lot of business guys use fear to you know, drive their sales team or look at the bottom line like, oh, we're, we're losing. We, we better get up and win. And that, that, that grind that comes in it where you're saying, okay, God, is this something I need to fight? Is this something I need to just rest in? Mm-hmm. Is this something I just need to just trust that you are going to pull things through? Is there anything I need to do in this time? Now, sometimes God will say, no, don't do it. You don't need to worry about it. I've done it. You just need to rest and wait for the promise to be fulfilled before your very eyes. And sometimes it's like, oh, actually, no, you need to handle that phone call. You need mm-hmm. to you know, uh, respond to that email. You need to you know, be proactive. It's that consistent time of when that fear has bombarded you is to actually shift your affection away from that fear, away, you know, giving attention to it and give attention back to the Father and say, Father God, you love me. I know that you love me. I receive your peace. I acknowledge your presence. You've never left me. You're always with me. How do you want me to respond to this? Mm-hmm. And allowing that peace that surpasses all understanding which guards your mind and heart, and then operate out of that because that's where the greatest revelations come. That's where the greatest tactics and strategies come in that place of peace. That's so good, Matt. Thank you for sharing that. How can people find out more about you and pick up your book? Yeah, sure. So we're on How to Hear God at Work is on Amazon. Our website, we run a supernatural business school where we train uh, budding entrepreneurs as well as very experienced entrepreneurs in how to partner with God at work and how to actually you know, grow their relationship with God, grow their wealth and influence their city. And we're also partnered with Heaven and Business. Our website is saltlightwealth.com and the uh, website Salt Light Wealth Academy. As we finish up here, Matt, could you please pray for our listeners? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Lord. You are with us. No matter what circumstances we're facing, no matter what situation we're currently in. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are encountering your people afresh. You're showing them right now that you've been speaking to them all along, whether that's through your word, through a trusted friend, through a spouse, and even their own thoughts that you've been speaking to them. And I thank you, Father, you're awakening them to your heartbeat for them, that they can be one in you, just as you've intended us to be. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Father, for encountering each and every one of these listeners. Thank you, Lord, that you're restoring relationships, you're restoring families, you're healing hearts, you're reigniting people with the heartbeat of God for them, and that, God, you're a good God, and you're in a good mood towards us. We thank you, Father, that all those impossibilities that may seem impossible With you, nothing is impossible. It's blessed them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Loved hearing your story today. Appreciate you sharing it. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. 
Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.